This is Dom Bettinelli, the CEO of SQPN, with a brief but very important message. For more than a decade, SQPN has produced the Catholic faith and pop culture podcasts that you love. We're a nonprofit organization, so it's only your generosity that lets us carry out our mission. We haven't run a fundraiser in two years, and that's why we need to ask for your help right now. Please make a pledge of whatever amount you can afford to help us continue providing your favorite podcasts, as well as exciting new ones we have planned. To make your pledge and find out about the free thank you gifts we'd like to send you, visit sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. Thank you for your generosity. May we hear from you today? You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 99. Oi! Don't be scared. All of this is new to you and new can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment when you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Ta-da! Ooh. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Today, we're discussing Demons of the Punjab. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Uh, as I always do, I want to start by uh, asking everyone to remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on our Facebook page. Uh, there is a Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page where we have some great conversations and feedback from folks. And if you can join us there and leave us feedback on episodes that we'd greatly appreciate it to, to like, to comment, to share, uh, that helps us get the news out. The other ways you can help us is retweet the episodes on Twitter. Uh, to subscribe to the podcast if you don't subscribe to the to the podcast uh, in a uh, you please do so in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, uh, even on YouTube where you should hit the bell on YouTube to get notifications as they say on uh, among the YouTube set. And uh, please share the podcast with your friends to help us grow. That's that's the the idea is we want to to grow, to be, to, to reach more people, to have a wider conversation, because we love Doctor Who, and we would love to have more people join us in this conversation. So please do that. Um, and uh, I want to remind you, as you have heard at the beginning of this podcast, uh, we are in our fall giving campaign. You've heard us talk about it several times uh, in recent weeks, and we do need you now to join us uh, in this giving campaign to, to make a, a pledge or a gift. Uh, to help us continue our mission. Uh, this podcast network, we are a network of podcasts and we are a nonprofit 501c3 organization that is, we, we're doing this not just for our, our own fun, although as much as we enjoy it, but we're doing this because we have a mission to explore the intersection of faith and pop culture. And uh, one way we do that is through The Secrets of Doctor Who. We want to continue doing this and we need your help to do that. And so if you could go to sqpn.com slash give. And if you do so, we have some nice gifts we would like to give as a thank you. Some of them are Doctor Who related. So sqpn.com slash give. So um, the demons of the Punjab, the uh, I'll give you the, the, the quick 20 second recap. Uh, Yaz, one of the companions who has gotten the least amount of attention so far, she wants to learn more about the life of her grandmother, who uh, was the famously the first woman married in Pakistan, presumably after Pakistan became a country in 1947. So the 13th Doctor brings her, her friends to the Punjab in 1947, but uh, all kinds Stuff of stuff happens. Strange things happen. And we'll <laughs> talk about that. So um, can I I want to give my assessment sort of like my 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 one sentence assessment up front. This is Rosa 2.0. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's essentially this is, Rosa again. This is the British version of Rosa, whereas uh, racial hostility and segregation is a scar on the memory and the conscience of America. <clears throat> this situation in India and the division, the partition between India and Pakistan is a legacy of British colonialism. And it corresponds to a similar kind of scar on the history and memory of Great Britain. And so this is sort of the British version of Rosa. Right. Right. You know, it's, it, it was interesting because I, I realized as we were watching it that I, I really don't know a lot about the history of this. Mm. Um, I knew a little bit. I knew that um, that 
the border was ba- was basically forced by Britain. Britain basically said, we're just drawing this border. Boom, there it is. And um, that it's been a very contentious border ever since, still oh, yeah. to this day. It's a very, very, very troubled border. Um, yeah. Oh, they've almost, they, they're both nuclear powers and they've almost gone to war like three times. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Well, I, I had a, uh, a priest from India who was, was here as a parochial vicar for a year. And um, he's from that part of India that's right up in the northern part by Pakistan. And he, he's, he's told me, he told me some of the stories of what life is like up there. You know, of course, Catholics up there do not have it easy by any stretch of the imagination because neither yeah. side yeah. likes the Catholics. They're hated on there. both sides of the border. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so it, it's, it's a very difficult, I mean, it's a very difficult part of the world. To say to be uh, to understate the issues, obviously the, uh, the partition you was know, was to put Muslims on one side and Hindus on the other. Essentially, that was sort of the idea. Right, and uh, it would it would that was essentially the idea as a way of of easing interethnic you know tensions. Didn't um, work. <laughs> well, you know we can't see the alternative timeline where they didn't partition it. That's so. true. That's true. So it's hard to know what's which situation is better. However, it's certainly not pacified things in our timeline. Mm. Um, I would be curious, you know, obviously we have listeners in the UK and I'd be curious to hear their uh, feedback on this episode. We may also have listeners in India and Pakistan. Uh, English is widely spoken there. In fact, I happen to know that that uh, uh, English is one of the official liturgical languages for Catholics in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, so they're part of ICEL, the International Committee on English and Liturgy. And so uh, we may have listeners there. I would be real curious to to hear their perspective on all of this. One thing that is and this is on, you know, kind of the overall dramatic level. But one difference between this and Rosa is that this focuses on our characters. Not on major political figures, whereas in Mm -hmm. Rosa, we had Rosa Parks and we had a cameo by Martin Luther King. The equivalent of that would be focusing on what was happening with Mohandas Gandhi in India, because he was very much opposed to the partition. Um, He he uh, he he did not want India divided. And um, he was very passionate about that fact. And uh, he famously, like in that context, declared, you know, I am a I am a Hindu and a Muslim and a Christian and a Jew. Uh, You know, he didn't want even though he was Hindu, actually, as a symbolic Mm -hmm. statement, he identified with each of the communities as a way of saying we need to all stick together here. Um, And so and actually the uh, the fact that he was opposed to the partition led to his assassination because it was one of his own uh it was a, it was a hindu um who opposed gandhi's views that ended up uh shooting him and so i was a little surprised that given that you know the partition is the big driving factor of the plot here that we didn't even get a mention of gandhi in this much less did we focus on him and I think, though, that actually <clears throat> that was that made the episode succeed in a way dramatically. Now, actually, I, I would have had at least a brief reference to Gandhi on the radio mm-hmm. or maybe a little brief speech from him on the radio just to just to acknowledge his mm-hmm. relation to this issue historically, um, kind of like we had the Martin Luther King cameo in Rosa. Um, but the fact that we didn't focus on major historical figures in this episode allowed our characters to breathe and have more complex interactions, which allowed this episode, for example, to have a more nuanced portrait of the of the of the ethnic tensions here than what we got in Rosa, because here we have uh, division within Prem's own family. Uh, on the mm-hmm. partition question, where his brother is very much in favor of it. We see other Hindus who happen to be masked, but we see them who are also very much in favor of it. Prim is not in favor of it. So we right. have we have some complexity there. 
they could have gone more complex than they did because we didn't see any Muslims who were in favor of the partition um, or Mm -hmm. who were fighting back. Uh, All all the Muslims we see in this are just victims, Um, whereas there would have been people who, you know, it's like where our community is under threat. We need to respond somehow. And so they didn't go as complex as they could have. But they went much more complex than they did in Rosa, where every white American is bad that we meet. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You know, uh, speaking of uh, Gandhi not showing up, someone else who could show up and it would be not because she's related to partition, but because a significant event happened around this time, which is Mother Teresa. She had her what she called her call within a call uh, when she decided to become Mm. found the missionaries of charity. Around this time, a little before this, uh, in September of 1946, this was 1947. But still, uh, as I'm reflecting on it, it would be interesting to have a a, a 13th Doctor uh, encounter with Mother Teresa. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I would like it, but I would be if if it were written well. Maybe I should write a spec script for Chris Chibnall. There you go. Uh, But I would. That would be a very. I would love to see that sort of encounter done well. Uh, But that's. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's not really this episode, but uh, I, I don't I don't put a lot of hope that that would go well. No, no. But no. Um, <laughs> well, one thing one thing I do like about this this episode is I think it it showed a reality that wasn't just in India. It's something we see throughout human nature, mm-hmm. and it's this you know this idea of the these these hatreds that keep coming up, these group vi- this group violence that keeps coming up. You know, um, I struck you know at the that scene at the end, and we'll we'll talk about obviously what you know everything that happened. But where Prem recognizes the guy he served with, he's fought with in the, the war. And it r- reminded me of the Rwandan genocide. You know, yes. if you've heard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Immaculate Iligabaza's story of surviving the Rwandan genocide. Um, same demographic, same ideas going on that these are people who live together. They are family friends forever, for generations. And then one day it's like a switch was thrown and they, they turned against each other. And it's, you know, much the same, same kind of situation. Yes. You know, we see this over and over. I, I you know, I'm going to get political here, but to take to our own time, you know, you look at groups on the, the left, like Antifa and the groups on the right, like the white supremacists in our own here in the United States. It's the same kind of mindset coming back again and again and again and again, you know, and it's, it's, it's interesting to see the way they portrayed that those movements rising up during the time of, the partition. I think it's it was quite intentional. In fact, I mean that seems to be so uh, an overarching uh, idea in this season is this the divisions among peoples that need to be healed the, that are that that may be uh, you know exacerbated in the current situation, uh, and mm-hmm. and so they I think that's that was certainly the the case in Rosa that was the case in Iraq in the UK and it was the case here. I mean I think they've they've been building yeah. that idea. This episode, though, really recapitulated the same themes as Rosa in a way arachnids in the UK didn't. And that raises a question in my mind, not about the quality of this episode, but about the writing choices for this season, because this is just two episodes after Rosa and we have a very similar episode. It's like that's you're repeating yourself a little quickly here. Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing that comes up is something that's kind of fundamental to this episode and that's similar to Rosa, which is there's a criticism has been leveled at Chris Chibnall with his, this season of Dr. Who and his, his version of Dr. Who, which is the, the science fiction alien bits almost seem tacked on like, yeah, because, and this is a, a big part of, of what I want. Like, I like this episode in many ways, but one thing that bugged me about this episode is the aliens in this, there was no point to the aliens mm-hmm. of this episode that they didn't serve any purpose. They, they didn't, I this mean, could have been a, this could have been a strict historical and it would right. have been right. just yeah. as good an episode. But at the end of the episode, if you look back and you go, if those aliens weren't there, would anything have been different? No, like it was, they, they served the, the only, the only purpose they really served is, is I think to connect it to the date on which it aired, which is, it was a very intentional, I think mm-hmm. connection to, in what in Britain we call Remembrance Day, in the U.S. we call Veterans Day, but it's the day, it's it's Armistice Day. As we record this, this is the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I, um, and it, there's a lot of people remembering it. 
so there were poppies throughout, and poppies are you know of course important to important part of the remembrance right. of of uh, Remembrance Day. But the theme of remembrance, and especially of those who have served, and uh, by the way, Father Corey, happy Veterans Day to you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yep. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, but to remember those who have served, to remember those who have died. Um, and I think so. They they played that role, uh, and you know, of course, we'll talk about that a little more as we go on. But but apart from that, I just didn't feel like those aliens were. They had a point. Yeah, and well, yeah, they do provide one thing plot wise that is valuable, which is they somehow know that Prim is going to die, and they don't explain how they know that, but they know that, and that. They communicate that knowledge to the doctor, who then communicates it to the companions. And for the last 15 minutes of the episode, the companions know Prim is going to die. And that puts the companions in particular, and thereby the audience, in a, in a position that we're not often in, where we know that something terrible is going to happen, and we're, there's really not going to be a way to fix it. Yeah. Um, the doctor occasionally has encountered this, like in the waters of Mars. And we've kind of been in situations like this, like in the serial we reviewed from the first doctor's time, the Aztecs, where Barbara wants to like re-edit re Aztec culture so that it's gentler. And the doctor's saying that's not going to work. And in the end, the doctor's right. But here we know something specific. That just this is a fixed point in time. Prim is going to die. We cannot change that. And yeah. we have to hide it from everybody. Well, the, and she, she never actually uses that term. In fact, the, she kind of lays it down on, look, you know, like, it's not that we can't change it. But if we did change it, yes, you wouldn't be here. I think exactly. that's a it's a it's a subtle but important distinction in the way that they kind of phrase the kind of lay yeah. out the story is well, it's okay, important okay. to Yaz's personal history. That's the way the doctor presents it. The way the 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 um uh, I'm got to look at my notes the for the name the, th the, the Jarans. Yeah. yeah, the way that the Jarans present it though, because when they're talking to the doctor, the doctor says, "Can't you change this?" And they say, "We're not gods." And then they have a bit of dialogue that, frankly, I couldn't understand because of the accent problem yeah, and mm -hmm. the, the vocal special effects problems because those are re-edited voices. But what I took away from it was, at least in the Thajaran's view, this is the equivalent of a fixed point in time. Right. Um, so maybe they articulated it both ways because you're right. The doctor did articulate it to Yaz differently. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So. But but you would suppose, I mean, OK. There would be ways if this is not a fixed point in time, you could hypothetically say, OK, they get married, they fake Prim's death and then get him out of there. So Prim survives. But uh, uh, Yaz's grand thinks he's died and everything in her life unfolds as normal. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a possibility. Uh, yeah. Just just kind of a quick, quick uh, aside. uh at least these aliens are a little bit more plausible than Lieutenant Saru on uh, Discovery, where he, he knows death is coming. <laughs> At least they've got the his, they well, got the time travel aspect, right? Yes, or something, something. Yes, yeah. So let's 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 get kind of get into the episode. So what we have is we start out with Yaz um, celebrating with her family uh, her grandmother's birthday. Um, her grandmother Umbreen, who tells her she was the first woman married in Pakistan, and they didn't explain it, but I'm like. Well, there probably had to have been like you had to know that Pakistan became a country in 1947. They don't actually lay right. that out for you. Right after. So in mm -hmm. some ways, that's good that they don't you know, they they expect the audience to kind of know some things. Um, and and for the British audience, that would be more common knowledge than it is here. Right. Correct. Uh, they also mentioned that she was the first Muslim to work in a mill or a textile mill in Yorkshire or something along those lines. So they kind of establishing mm -hmm. her background. And uh, for her birthday, the grandmother's giving out gifts. Which is odd, and especially saying I'm giving these away before it's too late. And normally, giving away property and in ideating death is a sign of imminent suicide. So I'm a little concerned for Gran here. But <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> to be fair, it could also it could also be illness. I mean, it could be a right. oh, no, of illness, course. But that well, they just I think they mean us to understand it's just old age. Yeah, but yeah, oh, she's a yeah. hobbit. Maybe that's what we do. Um, and so <laughs> so uh, she gives. 
she gives what uh, the younger granddaughter a, a poppy doesn't explain it so the and that never gets explained in the episode. It never. I know. And you don't do not do that to us. Um, she she says, this is a present your grandfather gave me. I can't remember why. <laughs> OK, you've just made a promise to the viewer that you're going to explain why. Right. It doesn't do not yeah. do not do that. Give her something else and say, this is something your grandfather gave me. It's really nice. I think you'll like it. That's all you got to say. Well, yeah. and then we have the the watch that she gives to uh, to Yaz um and it which it is must broken. never be fixed and yeah. see this is the thing that drives me crazy with not just uh, doctor who or the but a lot of tv sh- stories is i i'm doing this thing i can't tell you why and you can't ask me like yeah what don't, don't bring it up then like what do you why yeah. you t- yeah. like, t- if you can't tell me then why do you bring it <laughs> well, up <laughs> you know when you, you when you go with the title of the episode demons of the punjab and then you have this don't fix this watch it's like what is the watch an important part of how they vanquished the demons you, you know it's chekhov's watch no, i mean it's just a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good it's gonna come up later but yeah it, and, and that's our that's just our i kind of gave him this one yeah. even though it's a common trope i i gave him this one is yeah. this is how they're gonna get the plot moving right yep um so yaz gets it in her head that she now needs to find out what really happened with her nan and uh and her grandfather and the significance of this and what you because and so she goes to the doctor and she wants the doctor to take her back to uh, the Punjab and her, when her name was younger. Uh, now, the doctor says something here. She, she's, as, um, she says it could be dangerous. And uh, Graham says, oh, like we haven't seen that yet. Danger yet. And then the yeah. doctor says, I've apologized for the death. Death's eye turtle army okay. is how I heard it. That's what I heard too. So I played it back like four times to try to get, because <laughs> I don't have subtitles on what I was watching. And I'm like, like it's the accent thing. Like, and, and, and how fast uh, Jody Whittaker talks. She, she talks yeah. fast. So, okay. Like, I mean, because with Doctor Who, it could be anything. It Literally, it could well, be it, Death's eye turtle army. Well, then they bring up the turtle again. I mean, right. there's, there's something about, as long as there's no killer turtles or something like that. Right. So I guess that, that must be what it is. But gosh, it was like, I, I, you know, it. we, we probably should mention, for a, a, quite a number of American viewers, I've, I've heard from several people, the, the accents are putting them off from the show, that they are not enjoying because it's so difficult to understand compared to... You know, whether it's Capaldi's Scottish accent or, you know, the other British accents that we've had, uh, you know, in the past. I mean, they they had uh, David Tennant famously not speaking his native accent. Uh, whereas with this, you know, the, the Yorkshire accent, it, it's it's tough going for for non-Brits. Oh, well, maybe for some Brits, it's tough, too. But uh, for us Americans, this is this has been this is tough going and it may affect uh, people's enjoyment of the show going forward. So anyway. Yeah, uh, um, ah, I, I've just pulled it up with subtitles and it is the Death Eye Turtle Army. OK. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe it's uh, the uh, the the Ninja Turtles helped out with that one. Um, yeah. So the the doctor kind of talks about the danger of going back in time, you know, to observe your own family. And we know about that. Right. Because we saw what happened when Rose went back to yep. see her dad in Father's Day. Uh, the mm-hmm. time pterodactyls show up and they start massacring people. Uh, so we don't. Yep. So it, in some ways, this sort of is a little like that. Not the same sort of thing, but it recalls that anyway. Yeah. And and we've uh, we touched on, you know, the delicacy of um, of of, you know, involving yourself in your own timeline before. In fact, that's one of the big rules of time is for Time Lords is they're not to uh, cross their own timeline you know, for various reasons. Right. One, unless the there's thing- an emergency on Gallifrey or, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I love the most about this scene though, I like the dialogue, you know, with, with, uh, with Graham saying, Oh, it's not like we haven't encountered risk before. Um, but what my favorite thing is when they finally convince the doctor to do this, even though she's protesting, she shouldn't, she says no. And then all three companions say interfering. <laughs> it's like awesome they've they've got her sussed out yeah that's right uh so they uh they they pop back to uh the to, to india the doctor uses uh, uh she, she says oh the telepathic time circuits will figure out where we need to go 
And then they call her on it and she says, well, okay, it's really complicated. But and then she gives a this sort of, you know, ex pseudoscientific explanation. I'm like, okay, at least they're kind of trying to give some basis for right. the hand wavium that we're get going on here to, to mm-hmm. why we're why we're well, you know, we're letting the TARDIS take us here. And, they, and they've used the the, te- the telepathic circus before. I, I think it was during Capaldi. They had yeah. something where yeah. uh, Claire is like stuck her hand in the console in this little weird spot and it the TARDIS immediately took off and yeah, yeah yeah so we've had that before but uh but we get a little more explanation this one this time um what I liked when they got to the Punjab is um so they notice they're not in Lahore right you know which is a big city um and the and then the doctor has this brief telepathic vision we don't know what it is at the time but it's later she's telepathically <clears throat> sensitive to the presence of the Thajarans and it's not pleasant for her. And that kind of gets her into this worried zone where she doesn't know what's happening, but she's really worried. And I like I like that. I like how worried the doctor is here and how she feels out of her depth right. with what's going on. That's very nice. It's such a relief after all the strutting, overconfident doctors we've had recently. So one thing I want to mention is the location shooting. Uh, I don't know where the location was that they used to, to shoot this, but it was beautiful outdoors. It's, it doesn't oh, look anything yeah. in Britain that I know of. Uh, it it must be Spain. They often use Spain as a location. Yeah, I was, and I have in my notes, I mean, I was impressed with the initial location shooting, but like later, and I, I noted it specifically at towards the end where Prem is like striding out to meet his fate. He comes out of the out of the barn or the house or whatever it is. And the sunlight is so bright and the colors are so vivid. And I just thought this, I just love the visual design of this, the yeah. way they're mm-hmm. shooting this. You know, it occurs to me, it could also be South Africa because that's where they did a ghost monument. So that's another, oh, okay. another possibility that they've done. So they meet Prim um, and uh, based on a, a hint from our, our friend, listener, Bennett Gillespie, I looked up what the word Prem means. It's a Sanskrit word. Yep. For love, yep. meaning uh, pure, unconditional love that leads to total devotion and surrender. So, uh, interesting choice. So, so based on the Star Trek Next Generation episode, The Offspring, that would make uh, Yaz's grand Prem's lol? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, I, I suppose that would. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the Prem is on her way to his, uh, his wedding. Um, we, uh, we encounter a, uh, a, a sadhu. Uh, which is a Hindu holy man mm-hmm. on the way he's walking to go there. He'll, he's going to officiate at the wedding yeah. uh, who is uncredited by the way. And I noticed uh, his name is mm. Bhakti and doesn't get a credit, which is uh, oh. interesting. Um, but uh, I wonder if he's a real sadhu. That uh, would be interesting. So um, mm. we have this encounter. Uh, you, well, so Yaz meets her grand. And then we have this weird thing where, Grand's not marrying Granddad. She's marrying this other guy. Who's he? And then I like how I think it's Graham who says maybe she had a secret first husband. Right. And 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 that okay, little bit of family background on me. That clicked be, for me in a special way because it turned out one of my grandfathers was the secret first husband. Really? Um yeah, I discovered uh just a few years ago, I have a secret uncle I had not known anything about uh, because one of my grandfathers had an initial family before he married my grandmother, and that family had offspring, and I've since made contact with them. Um, but uh, but it came as a total shock wow. to me as a grandchild to discover that there was this secret first family that I was unaware of and that had never been talked about in my entire life. And so all, so for me, it's like, okay, I'm having a, I'm, this is, this was my Yaz moment. Where... <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, yeah, I, and so the disorientation that you would experience with where suddenly there's this whole family and all this, uh, this very strange, uh, you know, uh, you know, disorientation that I guess that was the word is that was the right word is that you experience in that. Um, now, Correct me if I'm wrong, but the guy in the photo that she knows as her grandfather, is that not uh, um, Manish, Prem's brother? Mm, I didn't think it was. Okay. I don't know. I didn't see it close enough. 
Uh, it, I don't see how it could be. Yeah, after well, that, the events of this episode. See, that's the thing is, I got confused right off the bat that I thought, oh, it's his brother who she really married, and then the rest of the episode, I'm like, wait, what? Like, and I was, yeah, uh, that might have affected that, my enjoyment of the episode a little. That that thought flicked through my mind too, right at the beginning, but yeah. I dismissed it pretty quickly. Yeah, because the photo was on screen for just briefly, and the, whoever the guy is, they chose for that photo yeah looked a lot like manish uh so they they could have they could have had the photo they could have picked a guy who looked more different and yaz could have had the photo in her pocket and said no look this isn't him and given us a big close-up of it right so we could probably presume that the guy who's her actual grandfather is somebody her grand met when they got to lahore after the events of this episode okay so mm-hmm, all right yeah. so that's that's all right um so they uh but yeah, I, now I don't recall exactly why they went into the woods looking for the uh, the sadhu. Um, they were chasing the they were chasing oh, right. the, uh, the 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 Jarans. Okay, that's right. The Jarans show up, and uh, Prem shoots at them with his uh, his service rifle. And for once, we don't get an anti gun sermon. Like, exactly. I, I that was one of my notes. The, the doctor does not have a problem with Prem's gun at any point in this episode, and I thought that was very. It was. I mean, I don't have a problem with with it, but obviously, but it seems very inconsistent. Uh, suddenly, well, you know, one 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 point of interest though is this is the first episode that does not have Chris Chimnall as, in the writers. Right. We list. didn't mention that the the uh, the the writer is uh, Vinay Patel. Uh, yeah, although showrunners get a pass at the scripts anyway. Right. So he could have he could have easily inserted that if he wanted. I would assume <clears throat> that. It's a sign of sanity on the part of the writers, and it's like, okay, we've made our point about guns. We don't need to hit that note every single time a gun shows up on the show. Right, right. Because hopefully. because the hopefully the doctor it, it you know historically has not been anti-gun, and uh, we've talked about it. Uh, it yeah. It, but but in recent in recent history has been very vocal against any guns whenever they show up. Um. All right. So uh, let's put a pin in that. So decide. Did we? Did we bring up that uh, Chibnall, this is the first not written or co-written by Chibnall before? I'm not sure. But this, no, no, no. We, no this, when I just, we, yeah. we mentioned it just now. Okay. All right. Just uh, want to make in, sure that in, we said that explicitly. The, at least in the timeline that Father Corey and I occupy. I must be. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, yeah, I must have gone through a wormhole right there for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just don't send a probe back. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. Hey, listen to the secrets of Star Trek. You'll think, <laughs> you understand why we're talking about that. Uh, so... Um, they so they've encountered the Thajarans that uh, we think okay these must be the demons of the Punjab ha 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 you it's classic misdirection of course um, we find out that they are the Thajaran hive the deadliest assassins in the known universe not just any assassins they're yes. the deadliest assassins in the known universe I, I, a little Stephen uh, Moffat flashback there <laughs> yeah it's got to be the biggest and if it, if they really were the biggest she would know more about them than she does well and apparently her information is, is out of quite a lot out of date because they're no yeah. longer in the business of assassin assassination um, yeah well so, they, they kind of did the uh, well these are these this is another ancient race that predates like all of everything and you know all that exactly so. exactly um, I liked how their faces looked like bat faces with spider eyes and tusks. Yes, mm-hmm. though that I had the design of the Thajarids was I like that. In fact, so far between them and Tim Shaw, uh, the, the the creature design has been pretty impressive this season. I have to say that. Yeah, yeah although I don't like the spiky, droopy things they have as their shoulder pads. Uh, reminds well, me just a little bit of the uh, Star Trek Discovery Klingons. That's I was just saying. They're, they're taking the same <laughs> yeah. design cues as Star Trek Disco- Discovery. Yes. Um, so it. So we have. Um, gosh, this. I don't want to go through everything, but uh, there's a lot of back and forth. At one point, uh, I think it's Graham who says um, to to Ryan, or was it to Ryan or to Prem? I don't know whether any of us know the real truth of our lives because we're too busy oh, on the inside he, living he, it. He's talking to Yaz. Oh, yes. okay. It, that's um, when they're sitting outside. And right, she's right. Discouraged because she doesn't know the family history that she thought she did. Right. So I, I like, I, I like this line. This is a very good moment, and it's, a, it's a very interesting perspective. So I, I don't want to go past it too quick. I don't know whether any of us know the real truth of our lives because we're too busy, busy on the inside living it. Live mm-hmm. this moment and figure it out later. And I like right. that. I, I, mm-hmm. we, 
because I think there's that temptation and and I think TV and movies kind of encourage us to that temptation to kind of think about the the awesome significance of our moments in our lives and what does it all mean and it, especially when you're younger you get you worry about that I think sometimes yep. um hey just live live your life mm-hmm. live it well I I I really like how uh, once again Graham comes off really nice in this episode. Yes. I, I like the fact that when when Bhakti has been killed and they find his body and they're puzzling over what it means and what they need to do next, Graham is the one who says this fellow needs to be laid to rest. Yes, mm-hmm. and um and then he has the nice conversation with Yaz. Uh, he has nice conversations with um uh with Prem's brother and with uh with Ryan and he's 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 really kind of the other than the among the companions he's kind of coming across as the most mature companion and the, as the central companion yeah yeah he's not the flashiest necessarily he's not the one we've actually had more focus on Ryan and on Yaz than we have on Graham but he's kind of the sensible center well, that uh, that kind of functions to keep things moving other than uh, among the companions when the doctor's not around. Well, it's interesting that the development, because I remember when we were talking about the, the first episode, we weren't a big fan of Graham. Yeah. Yeah. No. We, you know, he seemed very flat in one note and kind of a coward standoffish. And really developed him incredibly mm-hmm. throughout these episodes. I mean, it, it's he really he's the one. The one character I think that they've developed the most out of all of them. You know, he, mm-hmm. he reminds me a lot of uh, of Donna Noble's grandfather, Wilfred, who was uh-huh. only only a companion very briefly and very significantly caused the regeneration of the uh, of the Tenth Doctor. But um, in that sense of he's the mature, he's a mature center. Um, he, you know, I I like that. I mean, I mean, Graham is. Probably the most mature, um, n- not flaky uh, companion, companion we've had in a long time. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of young women who kind of run around in Doctor's My Boyfriend. And I mean, I love Clara and I love uh, Amy. And I mean, uh, but 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 I love Wilfred and uh, Graham both have had a presence that that none of the others have had. And I'd love to see an older yeah. grandmotherly type. That would be f- uh, fun and interesting as well. It would, you know, one thing that Graham has. Okay, so Graham is actually more mature than the Doctor is. Yes. Yeah. Um. He, the Doctor, is more flighty and scatterbrained. Graham is more sensible, and Graham is even more sensible than um, than uh, than Wilfred, because Wilfred had this Doctor worship thing going on where. Mm-hmm. To him, David Tennant's doctor was, oh, just the most wonderful man, fall all over myself thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and Graham doesn't have that. He's with the doctor. He he re- responds to the doctor much more as an equal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we've, we've they've talked about that uh, going in is that the companions would not just be followers, that we would the companions would be friends. Compa- you know, they'd be equals to the doctor much more so this season. And that certainly comes up with Graham. I mean, and you know, uh, the the actor is is really a great actor. So I mean, it's it's hard to, uh, to, to you know yeah. expect anything else. The only the only thing I regret is they haven't given him much room for comedy this season because my introduction to him I did not know the actor previously, and this uh, summer at Comic Con they had the entire crew come over to Comic Con. I saw a video of the panel discussion because <clears throat> I don't go to Comic Con because it's too crowded. I don't go anymore. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, but the uh, in the panel discussion, all of the TARDIS crew was there except Graham. But the actor sent a video that they played and he was uh, back in England and he was it was just the most hilarious thing in the world. He was like putting on Jodie Whittaker's hoodie and <laughs> and and doing the Doctor Who theme song as this doodly doo doodly doo doodly doo and 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 mincing about as pretending he's Jodie Whittaker getting into her trailer and it was just the funniest thing. Oh wow! And so I thought, oh, Graham is going to be this awesome comedic character. Um, and he really hasn't been that. So, but the actor has clear comic chops. It was the f- 
funnest thing in the whole panel. Well, I, I hope that's they, kinda, that that's how he kind of got his start was as, you know, doing like stand up comedy and comedic roles and things like that. And he's kind of transitioned as, as many do. You know, it's, it's funny as some of the best drama actors are comedians. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I hope they, can they do that. I hope they give him some comedy to do at some point because he's, he was really good at it. Yeah, if he sticks around me for ne- for the next season, you know what's I mean because he's a he's a grieving husband right now, now. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to to get the comedy, but um, hopefully he'll stick around for a bit. Um, so you know one of the things we've talked about is is the ways that Doctor Who builds uh, drama in an episode in the stories, and one of the ways we have is uh, TARDIS separation. So the Doctor and the companions are separated from the TARDIS, and therefore they have to get back to it. Um, and you know, we saw that in Ghost Monument. Uh, we have companion separation or doctor separation where uh the companion has to 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 solve the problem on their own without the help of the doctor or and they have to get themselves back together again there's a new one which they, they've really introduced in this season which is sonic separation you know this uh-huh. this doctor's yep. sonic is either drained of power or rebooted or she, too many inputs she, yeah she didn't have exactly. it at all for most of the first episode so i find that very interesting that we've got this like the sonic has become this um, dramatic tool that they use to 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 set the doctor, you know, to set her back. They, use, they, they still they still use it way too much, and I, and the, mm-hmm. this yeah. season I think is probably the worst. But at least they have introduced the idea that the Sonic is not infallible, perfect, always powered up, always going to work, going to do everything the doctor needs. Yeah, that once in a while it will fail. Right. They they need to be careful how they do this, though, because if it becomes too inconsistent, then it's going to become obvious as, oh, it only works when the plot requires it. And that's mm-hmm. going to become a, an object of derision. Yeah. One of the ways, like the, just as an example of the overuse of the Sonic is during at the end where the, we have the wedding ceremony, the doctor uses it to untie the rope in front of her. Like you could yeah, just why? untie the rope. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like what's with this? The Sonic, the road. Uh, so I'm not sure Sonic's supposed to work on organic. But anyway, uh, it's wood. It doesn't work. It does, oh, it, do, it does when it doesn't. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, uh, then we have uh, this nice moment where uh, we the the preparation for the wedding has to happen, where the men go off to the stag and the women go get henna tattoos, and the doctor is getting, you know, is with the women now because she's a woman, yeah. and so we have this this. Funny this little... is the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all any references I make to gender or regener- bodily regeneration, uh, gender uh, transmission and bodily regeneration are purely in jest and they're meant to be humorous or uh, something. Such a comedian. <laughs> just a comedian, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, I just, I, well, they, they acted that well too because everybody else is kind of going, okay. They kind of, that, that yeah. awkward chuckle of okay. <laughs> yeah. The awkward doc- I, I, doctor again. I, I totally liked how they establish in that scene that the the hand tattoo that um are, are the hand tattoos are scorned by um the by the young grandmother as not her own mother's best work and she right. excuses it because um she's had a bad day. And then at the end of the episode <laughs> when Yaz is showing the same hand tattoo to Gran, Gran is like, this is a terrible design. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> like, so meta, I love it. So it turns out that the Thajarans are, as we said, aren't assassins anymore. Uh, after they their world was destroyed um, and they found that their people had died alone, they decided to bear witness to all those throughout the universe who die alone. And I'm thinking... So they're speakers for the dead now. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like everybody who dies alone in the universe? Like everybody? Well, I would assume they just mean all the ones they're able to. I guess, yeah. I mean, like they hang around on Earth for a while. That's, I guess, suppose that's what, very busy. What I liked about this is this is another case where the Doctor is flat wrong and realizes mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um. This is I. I love seeing this side of the Doctor where she assumes they're one thing, they're totally something else. Um, and it, we had something like that in the previous episode with the Saranga conundrum where the doctor was acting selfish and hostile and got called on it and yep. and immediately recognized that was true. And so she showed emotional fallibility there. Here she's showing intellectual fallibility. Yeah. Yep. And both of those are nice touches given the recent history of the show. So I felt like the shift from evil demon to good witnesses is too sudden. 
Um, uh huh. Like why? So suddenly, that these demons who kept appearing, and disappearing, are suddenly willing to communicate uh, who they are and what they're about when they didn't want to before. Uh, and it just didn't how, seem like how, they 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 paid they paid for that in in the script. Like they mm-hmm. they they didn't earn the that 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 conclusion because after this, how, there's they're not really involved in the in the plot. So the the. I would have to go back and rewatch the episode to see how many opportunities that the Jarans actually had to explain themselves because they, they like disappear when they're shot at. Yeah. And you can understand that, you know, I wouldn't, if that's how I defend myself against being shot. Okay. I'm not going to hang around to explain. Um, and, and then the doctor breaks into their buried spaceship and they're not there to explain and then when they do show up, the doctor yanks everybody out of the spaceship via the transmat. And then they're mm-hmm. running from the Thajarans and the doctor's taking the transmat locks. And then she locks them out of the barn so that they can't show up for 12 to 18 hours. Why that is, I'm not sure that that spaceship didn't look that far from the barn. So certainly not 12 to 18 hours away. I don't know why they can't just walk <laughs> up and knock on the door. <laughs> right. But but the episode has gone to great lengths to show the doctor and companions and associates getting away from the Thajarans. And I, one could argue that they simply haven't had the opportunity to explain right. themselves till now. Okay. Uh, well, one reason they couldn't just walk up is because they were, it was a, a trap, like a tripwire. If you walked past it, it would transmat you somewhere else. Away. Uh, okay. Yeah. That, okay. That's, that's, that's okay. Take, like 12 to 18 hours to break the, to break the, the break encryption the or something, yeah. But but the other, yeah. I mean, I, I get when, that they didn't have a chance to, but just to, from the writing of it, they they're mm-hmm. suddenly the they're the the major plot driver, and then suddenly they're not. And, and that mm-hmm. was what I was talking about earlier. Is I feel like in this season we have these aliens, but they're not quite sure what to do with them, and they mm-hmm. kind of show up, and then they kind of just peter out. And yeah, and Chibnall is clearly more interested in our characters. Than in the science fiction aspects of all this, right? What the the way the way to solve this would be create really interesting science fiction characters. So mm-hmm. you fuse the two together, right? Right. It, it, yes. I mean, it, it feels like almost like well, it's a science fiction show. We have so we have to have a few science fiction bits uh, to go on top of our very interesting story about human nature, yeah. which I, mm-hmm. I like this like the stories, but the the alien yeah. bits just don't fit. An, an example of that would be like Davros, right? Who's a science fiction concept and a very interesting character. Um, the, and here, you know, we have the we have the the Jarans as concepts, but we know nothing about their personalities individually. Mm. Right? They're just ciphers, personality wise. By the way, I I did want to compliment when they finally do crack the transmat locks um, and jump in and grab the Doctor. That's an extremely effective abduction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the way the special effect works for that. And suddenly the doctor's gone. And that's one of the more effective cases of doctor companion separation I've seen. And it wasn't produced by the stupid, you go this way, I'll go that way routine. <laughs> yeah. It's like the doctor is yanked away from the companions in a very scary way. Right. Exactly. Um, so uh, th- another nice moment is uh, the conversation with Prim. Um, that uh, Graham and Ryan have, where they say there's nothing worse than normal when normal people lose their minds. People who've lived together and then they're told their differences are important, like the, they've ner- learned nothing from the war. I'm like, wow. I mean, that right there might be the thesis for this show is this idea mm-hmm. of, you know, when normal people lose their minds and hate the person who they've lived next to and worked beside their entire lives and for generations. Um, and this this is this is the point where I saw the the familiarity both with the Rwandan genocide, but also with issues in our our country today, where um, people spend more hatred and energy on, well, you're you're different because you're different because, and you you know you need to give me this because, and you know it's all division, 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 division. We're finding what divides us versus what unites us, right. Um, we have the the wedding ceremony that the doctor uh, officiates at because as a as a doctor she's an important person and therefore can officiate mm. uh, because the said has has died and it says uh, she says she says something in the in it she says love is a form of hope 
And like hope, love abides in the face of everything. And I think, yeah. Well, so the theologian, the theologian in me was picking that apart. <laughs> oh yeah, same, same here. It's obviously, there, she's not talking about the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. But there yeah. are echoes there. I would love to tease yeah. that apart a bit. I mean, there are echoes of First Corinthians uh, thirteen in that. And she even says this is part of her faith. Now, where you can, so let's back up for just a second to set the context for that, because she's been asked to officiate at this wedding because Bhakti is dead, but she, as a doctor, is a respected woman. So her her participation in the wedding would lend it dignity. And she says, oh, I haven't done a wedding since Einstein's. Right. And 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 his, her his or her parents opposed as well, which actually I believe is true. Einstein's first marriage um, had was kind of bumpy. Um, yeah. But uh, but then when uh, the and then the doctor adds, as long as it's non-denominational um, and. Mm. And so she's not going to either do a straight Hindu wedding or a straight Muslim wedding. She's not going to go into that. So fine. Um, she's not a Hindu or a Muslim. I wouldn't expect her to. But then we have this reference to her faith in this context. And even though you could interpret this as a kind of secular faith, it's also open to the possibility that maybe there's something more than that. Maybe the doctor does have a kind of religious faith, not of a religion from Earth. Of right. course, but some kind of religious. Mm. Yep, and the the I mean I don't want to spend too much time. We've we've we're we, mm -hmm. you know I want to keep the the show within a certain limit here, but uh, but there is something to the for me to this you know love abides, and mm -hmm. and love and hope are related certainly. And yep. from a Christian point of view, Saint Paul says um, the 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 three virtues are faith, hope, and love. Um, and the greatest of these is love. So they're they're interrelated, um, and in this context, um, we, and we do have all three of those terms on the table: faith, hope, and love. In this scene, right? And mm -hmm. and by by the by these two people committing to each other in love, in the midst of division and separation and hatred, um, it 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 lends hope for the future, and that's. And and then we go Stephen Moffat because that makes them the strongest people on the planet, maybe the universe. The universe. Right, right. <laughs> Can't just be, you know, a nice couple <laughs> or in love. Yeah, makes um, you strong. Right. And then we have it made clear here that the, the demons of the Punjab are not the aliens who have shown up, but are the demons of racism and hatred. I mean, that's that's sort of laid out for us uh, here. Um, they collect uh, the... Well, I mean, I'm not sure what it is. The DNA of the memories of Prim after he's killed. To add it to their memorial DNA database. Well, which mm -hmm. to me, and maybe this came up because I because because of uh, Remembrance Day and the anniversary of World War One. But to me, it felt like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I mean, they're remembering the the dead who have been forgotten or or who mm -hmm. died un, unattended. And and it's a it's a bit like they've created a giant universal tomb of the unknown. Yeah. So this is where we get to. I, and I think most of this episode is absolutely fine. I really liked aspects of it. But conceptually, here's where it started to fall apart for me. Um, these guys are supposed to be witnesses for the unwitnessed dead. And so I was expecting Prem to be killed in such a way that he died alone. Right. And mm. that is not what happens here. No. The instead, he's apparently shot by a former colleague of his who's sitting on horseback amid a group of horsemen with his own brother there. So in what way is his death unwitnessed? That doesn't make any sense to me. Unless he doesn't die um, instantly. They ride away and he's left to die alone. Well, but they don't show us that. Exactly. They need to show us that if that's what yep. they're going to well, do. And, it's, and it's they also, send the aliens send the doctor and the companions away so that. Yeah, Prem right. is alone. Like, right. well, maybe he wouldn't be alone if we were here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to mention that. And yeah. then <clears throat> it's also, it's not clear to me why they kill Prem. Um, now, uh, there's a little bit of dialogue here that I couldn't quite figure out because of the accents, but um, but it didn't seem to me the death was clearly set up because what his mm -hmm. brother says is they've come to check their land to see if there's anybody who doesn't belong. Right. And at this point, even though he's just married a Muslim woman, Prem belongs. 
And if I, you know, it, it would make sense for his brother to like try to talk him out of this union or something like that. It is not clear to me that why um, these one of these guys would just shoot him in this execution style. Uh, they haven't laid the foundation for that in dialogue. I thought they might do it with like by introducing the concept of satyagraha, um, which is uh, a kind of nonviolent passive resistance that Gandhi uh, popularized and where in the face of violence, you, you do not resist. And so I thought we were going to have an escalation of tension between the parties and Prem was going to say something like, you can kill me if you want, but I am not renouncing this woman and I'm not renouncing my land. Right. Mm-hmm. And the only way you're going to, you're going to do this is, is by killing me, but they didn't do that. And so, I I don't understand why they would kill Prim in this situation right. as opposed to humiliating him or just leaving or beating him up or I don't know what. Well, and it's what you know what I kind of figured was the idea that his wife and mother-in-law had gotten away. Right. But mm-hmm. they again like you said they don't say it would have been so easy for them just to add the one line where is she? And, and then, then have that happen. And then kill him because he won't say Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. The it, for him to die in that in circumstance, it it right. It, it they don't. Well, just like a several like several things in this episode. There's there's so much that I like, but several things they just they just don't close the loop on it. They don't mm-hmm. they don't they don't pay pay for it in a way. Um, so yeah, they don't pay their dues. Exactly. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so uh, so. We we get this this final scene where Yaz is now with uh, her nan in present day Umbreen, and I'm left with a, another question, which is: is does Umbreen remember Yaz? I mean, there's sort of this for me. There felt like this yeah. this implication that maybe Umbreen remembered Yaz, and that's even really in the beginning of this episode, she knew who she was or something. I didn't get that. I think there may be a twinge there of like a subconscious memory. Yeah. But right. I don't <clears throat> I don't think it's a conscious one because if it were conscious, she would have she would not have said at the end, "Do you want to know the story of the watch?" And then Yaz says, "Maybe another time." Right, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, it's it was very again, it was another one of those open loops that I did I felt like needed to be more definitive. Um, and then we get the the closing, and it, for the second time this season, instead of the usual Doctor Who uh, closing music, we have uh, this Indian music uh, over the, which I think might be, I couldn't tell, is it was it an uh, an Indian version, a subcontinent version of uh, the Doctor Who theme? I couldn't tell. I didn't get that. Yeah. I, I thought it was an independent composition. Okay, so there was definitely, so definitely not. Um, the, the theme is again in any case, so it was uh, themed to the, the subject matter, and uh, so and that and that's how we ended out there. So um, overall, it was you know, I I mean there there's like I said at the top, there's much I liked about this. Um, there's some stuff I didn't like, and and I and it felt like a Rosa 2.0 to me. That was that's yeah. that's my. And it's too soon. I mean, I like the fact they're getting into Yaz's background because Definitely. it's building out her character more. They needed to do that. But doing it this way, it's like this shouldn't be living so close to Rosa. Right. 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 OK, uh, good. So um, we do have a little bit of feedback I wanted to, to get to from uh, our Facebook page at the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page on the Saranga conundrum, which was last week's uh, episode. Uh, Rick Angelini says, I think that is an issue with the pacing of the shows this season. He says uh, the ghost monument moved far too slowly. Arachnids and Saranga conundrum moved very quickly with rapid fire dialogue. Key elements of the plot are lost in the fast pace, particularly the dialogue. And I always watch with subtitles on. I'm having a terrible time with the accents this season. I really don't catch the full story until I watch the episode a second time. Thank goodness for the DVR. So we, we mentioned that earlier, the problem with the uh, the accents. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about the pacing as well? The the different pacing. Does 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 it matter if the? Like, I didn't feel like Ghost Monument moved slowly for from my point. Of view, but um, does does have have? Do you feel like any of the episodes move too slowly or too fast? Well, that's that's kind of always been a problem with New Who because they've limited themselves to the forty five minute format. Right now, that, fifty or fifty. Well, 
rough time frame. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. for, it's, it was 45 for a long time and now it's, now it's 50, but, um, it's, they've had to pack too much into too many stories, you know, where they take these stories and they have to kind of pr- compress them a little bit. It's like the exact opposite that classic who had where, Oh, we've got this much more of the story to tell. Well, let's throw a few chase scenes in so that we can then, you know, extend it for another episode or two. You mean like war right. games or helper. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But like war games but, for uh, the second doctor, which was like 10. Uh, yeah. Episodes. So, I mean, it, it's, I, I think it's, I think it's just a symptom of the format that they have chosen for new who in general. And this season, we just might be noticing it a bit more. Okay. This season. Um, so, and then, uh, Heather Comstock, uh, sends a message. She says, I, I thought this was a great episode, uh, Saranga Conundrum. It was a refreshing romp after two somewhat uneven episodes. I liked how they were in overload of things to solve and the fast pace. So she liked the fast pace. I felt like I got to know the characters enough to care about them and their fates. And I fall squarely in the pro Pating camp, a bit like having mm-hmm. a hungry, destructive toddler running amok. As always, <laughs> I I know what you mean. I I had a destructo would, uh, as a to- uh, who was a toddler. As always, I enjoyed hearing your analysis of the episode. Uh, actually, that yeah, he the, the pating is a lot like my son Anthony when he was a toddler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Heather liked the pace, and, and toddlers will put anything in their mouth, yes, and drain the yep. energy from it. Exactly, especially <laughs> their parents. Uh, so, uh, uh, so Heather liked the pacing. Uh, so it's so interesting to two different perspectives on that, um, the different pacings. Uh, one thing I want to mention, uh, do you have uh, I'm sorry, j- uh, instead of Jimmy, did you have anything to say on Heather's comment? Uh, no, not in particular. I thought it was very perceptive. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Heather and Rick. And uh, one last thing, I saw a news article that claimed that the the ratings uh, for Dr. Who are plummeting after the the initial uh uh, a premiere episode and the, the it's doctor who's in danger uh no actually the ratings are very good yeah in mm-hmm. fact um the ratings that they were citing were very different from the ones that i'm seeing i don't know where they're getting their numbers from um now there has been a drop off from the premiere the premiere had 10.9 million uk viewers um Saranga had seven point seven six million, so a little drop and, off, and that and that's normal in a TV series. Yep. Normally, the premiere, with all the advanced publicity it gets, is uh, is higher than the episodes that immediately follow it. Well, right, and, and the the numbers that I've been seeing, they've they'll have the overnight numbers, meaning the people who watched it the night of or you know DVR'd it. Yep, um, and then they'll have like the seven day. Numbers and that will a lot yeah. of times include the online viewership as well. Those right. who went to you know BBC's website and watched it there, or watched it through Amazon, like like Jimmy does, or something like that. Um, but the, this doesn't count. But again, it's seven days, so someone could watch this episode, say in a week, and it's not going to count, right? You know, yeah. So. The 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 numbers, and I've been following this uh, guy on YouTube. I I don't recall his name off the top of my head, but I may mention it in a future episode. Um, who actually does a weekly analysis of the ratings numbers, and he compares them to uh, prior seasons. And actually, Jodie Whittaker's numbers or the Jodie Whittaker era numbers are much better than what we've had. They like blow the Peter Capaldi era away. We haven't seen numbers this good in, in quite a number of years since his first season. She's in fact, um, Saranga, which is the lowest rated from so far this season, uh, surpasses everything, but the premiere episode of, of, uh, Capaldi's first season. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, and if, again, if they're looking at the overnight viewership, in our, in our, the way people watch TV today, at least, you know, you know, Gen X and millennials, at least is we watch it recorded. We watch it streaming. We watch yep. it. These aren't just you know, the days later. Yep. We don't sit down and watch it as it's being broadcast a lot anymore. No, they don't. They, they, in fact, actually, they don't. Usually when you see ratings, it's, it's usually the long ratings because they know that that's mm-hmm. not, not how people watch anymore. So they, but, you, but you will you often take, get the overnights, but. But when you see the ratings are X, it's usually right. the, the, but the the night plus seven or something, whatever the, they call it. Yeah, get not, I, I don't know. I didn't read the, the particular article that you're talking about, Dom. But yeah, I, I would be surprised at all if he is purposely using the overnight numbers. Right. Well, and this was in a to paper. To make it look worse yeah. than it is. Yeah. This was in uh, one of the UK tabloids. 
the sun i think it was uh, oh well uk tabloids those are always reliable and <laughs> and not unfairly biased exactly to generate drama <laughs> right so um and I, so that's uh, so that's that's it for feedback and some and other bits uh, of interesting so next week um to kind of jump ahead here uh we're going to be celebrating our 100th episode of Ooh, the secrets of dark kerblam with kerblam which i think is appropriate <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like we're shooting our fireworks to celebrate uh so uh that'll be sure to be lots of fun uh to join us we're not i don't i don't have anything special planned folks which we have a new episode of doctor who to talk about what else can you do to celebrate so we may come up with something yes we'll have cake uh so that's it from us uh, so you tell us, what did you think of Demons of the Punjab and what we had to say about it? And you can let us know by going to sqpn.com or to the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page and leave us some feedback on the show uh, where it's posted there. Or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. And you can find links to our personal social media and websites on our show notes at sqpn.com. And like, I, like uh, Jimmy said, we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing Kerblam. That's the title, folks. Kerblam! <laughs> Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. My pleasure, Dom. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Uh, glad to be here, and thank you, Dom. Thank you, and once again, I'm Dom Bethanelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, what's the point of having a mate with a time machine if you can't nip back and see your grand? Right. This is going to be fun. This is Dom Bettinelli again. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and that you'll help us keep producing the podcast you love. Thank you for your generosity. To make your pledge and find out about the free thank you gifts we'd like to send you, visit sqpn.com give. That's sqpn.com give.